In regards to the juxtaposition of the two parshas, which, uh, and also therefore because they're next to each other, it means of course that they are connected to each other. Which two parshas are we talking about? The pasuk at the beginning of, in uh, sort of after the first part of Kairach, which then talks about Hashem saying that He has given the gifts, uh, a bunch of gifts to the Kayanim. Things that the Jewish people have to contribute to the Kayanim. And that's what that Pasuk is. I have given you the um, truma for all the uh, uh, separation onto you, onto the Kayanim, for all the uh, holy matters of the Jewish people. Which is the Inya from Matnas Kahuna that is talking about the gifts to the Kayanim. So, so what's the connection between that and it's written right after the Machleikas of Kairach the uh, polemic that Kairach brought up in the Parsha, which is recorded just before that in the Parsha so the, Sifri, so the, the Sifri explains the connection Rashi brings this up Rashi also quotes it as after Kairach came along and Challenged Aaron about the Moshe and Aaron about the Kohuna. Had the Eibush to gezakt, Hashem said, as the Kohuna from Aaron is er kaisa v'chaisim umaylo berkoyin. Hashem said he gives a parable in the Sifri that uh, someone came along and complained. So the uh, so they went to court and they wrote it. They made it official. They wrote it in a document and they signed off on it and recorded it in the court. So Hashem said, there was a complaint against Aaron, so I am writing it and making it official and signed, sealed and delivered. How did he do that? By making, by giving all of these gifts that the Yidin have to give the Kayanim certain gifts, that gives the official stamp of Hashem for the Kayanim. That's the connection between the two. So we have to understand that explains the connection between the two of the gifts to the Kayanim as a response to Kairach's polemic. But what's the connection between Meiser, which is Vasmigitsum Levi, Meiser, that the tithing which is given to the Levi, Olivnei Levi, Hinin Asadakal Meiser, as the Pasuk says, to the children of Levi I have given a tithing. Uh, which is written in that same parsha. In fact, in the same communication that Hashem gave to Moshe, he talked about the Kainim and then he talked about the Levim. So it's all one continuation. And he says there <coughs> it's written in that same communication where Hashem said, "I am your, I am your portion," meaning to say the gifts that I give to you, that is the portion. Matnas Kahuna, which is talking about Matnas the gifts of the Kayanim, but then it also records the Levian, and it's in that same communication. So, what's the connection between what He gave to the Levian to Machlekes Kairach to the dispute of Kairach? Nochmer, and the question becomes even more pronounced. Not only doesn't there seem to be a connection between the Levim and the gifts to the Levim to the dispute of Kairach, 
but in fact, if you look at it, if you think about it, it goes contrary to the Machlekes of Kairach. Machlekes Kairach is given, why? Because Machlekes Kairach is given nor ala kohonar. Kairach was only arguing against Aram being a Kayin. As he said, you also demand, you also re- uh, expect to be Kayinim. That's what Kairach said. That was what said was said to Kairach rather. Moshe Rabbeinu said to Kairach, "You are expecting to be Kayan. In other words, Kairach wanted to be a Kayan. Unishtev but Kairach had no complaint against the concept of there should be a tribe, which is the Leviim, who do service in the base Amigdosh. He didn't have a problem with that. Because Kairach himself was a Levi, he didn't have a problem with him being singled out." as the tribe that is going to be the ser- uh, serving the Beis HaMikdash. Not only was he a Levi, but he was one of the most important of the tribe of Levi, Ben Yitzhar Ben Kahas. He came, he was the son of Yitzhar, the son of Kahas, who was the royal family of the Leviim. He was a cousin of Moshe Rabbeinu. So he didn't have a problem with the Leviim. So he wasn't complaining about the Leviim. So there's no need for Hashem to recognized the Levim especially because of this dispute because they ne- there was no dispute against the Levim in fact he agreed that there should be Levim that's what he wanted so therefore what is the what is the reason that the gifts to the Levim the Meiser is also included in this Parsha perhaps we could answer it this way that that's the reason that it's mentioned here what does that mean since Kairach was from the tribe of Levi. And where did this whole polemic start? From a Levi, from Kairach, a Levi. Along with some other Levian that he brought with him. So the very fact that the ones that created the problem were from the Shevet Levi is given the Siba from That was the reason, that was the basis of their complaint that why should Aaron be singled out and given special recognition over all the other Levim as Moshe Rabbeinu said to them Shimon Abenei Levi he said listen to me O sons of Levi is it not enough for you that Hashem has already separated you out and made you special from the rest of the community of Israel that you should serve in the base and he brought you close you and your brothers from Levi so now you want even more you expect even to become Kayanim so in other words it was because they were Levian that they had this complaint about Kayanim so therefore we may have thought as unmainen and to, think, and to believe as to leave them is chas from the Chshivas from Tafkis from Shavas Levi, that Hashem may have gone this route. You're complaining because you're Levi, you know what? We'll demote Shavit Levi, and we won't have a problem anymore. It'll be just Kayanim. Shavit Levi is out of the picture. There's no reason anymore to complain that you want more. You get nothing. We would have thought that that might have been the reaction of Hashem, and therefore would have taken away their special status. That's why Hashem, in order to make us understand that He has nothing against the Levim, He's not demoting the Levim. So, together with His 
telling us about the special gifts that will be given to the Kayanim, that's why alongside that he also said that the Levim will also get their gift, which is the, the tithing, which teaches us that the that the Levim remained in their special status, and he didn't punish the Levim because Kairach created a polemic only because he was a Levi. Maybe that's the reason that he includes the Miser into this parsha. But it's difficult to say that that's what the reason is. But from the fact that the Torah tells us about the Meiser, the Mitzvah of Meiser, as a continuation to the gifts of the Kayanim. In fact, he says it, and to the children of Levi I have given the tithing. So in other words, he even adds in that word, and, the Vava Meisif, the Vav which connects it to the previous parsha or the previous subject. So the, he, I'm giving you the, the, the Kayanim their gifts, and the Levi I'm, I'm giving their gifts. Is mashma from this it seems as the Shaykhs from Inyan Amaisa, the Leviim, Sumachlekes Kayrech, is in them Zelbim Oifim, but Teichem the Shaykhs in Matnas Kona, Sumachlekes Kayrech. So it would seem that the reason Hashem is giving or mentioning the gifts to the Leviim here in this parsha is in the same reference as he's mentioning the gifts to the Kayanim, not in an opposite reference. The way we just answered it, it comes out that the Kayanim are gi- being given their, their uh, gifts in order to emphasize that they are the ones that deserve it and so on. The Leviim are giving the, being given their gifts to tell us that he ha- isn't angry at the Leviim, that they're not being excluded. That's an opposite thing. It wouldn't say, and to the Leviim. That makes it seem as if it's the same reason that they're being given the gift just like the Kayanim. The Hainut in other words, to emphasize that the reason he's giving him the gifts of the of the Maiser is because he wants to show their importance. And not only to tell us that they are not being punished. Then it would have been sort of not the same type of subject of why the Kainim are being given gifts. So that's why that can't be the answer. And another thing, everything in Torah is very, very accurate. So therefore we have to say, that the connection between the gifts to the Kainim and Leviyah to the Machlekes of Kairach is nish, not in an Eifen Kloli, is not just in a very general sense. In other words, one way of looking at it is, there was a complaint, there was somebody who tried to undermine the Kainim, so Hashem said, I'm going to show that they're not going to undermine my people. I'm going to give them gifts. That's a very general response. But rather, what's going on is, as Matnus Kuna is a simen stam, verayetz machazaz and kunas irur, that's the general sense. He explains the general sense that the gifts of the kahuna show that uh, Hashem's response to the complaint against the Kainim is that He's giving them a gift. But rather what is going on is nor as the inhalt from Matnus It's that there is an integral connection between the gifts to the Kainan as well as the Leviim, which is the response to the polemic of Kairach. Not just a general, you know, we want to show the importance of Kainim. There is some integral connection between what Kairach was saying 
and therefore the necessary response is these are the gifts to the Kayanim. It is integrally connected rather than just generally a response to their complaint. And that it's these gifts which respond to what Kairach was saying. We've already discussed at length in the past. In them was in that which the writes. As the Inufan Kairach was the Targum Taicht, that this matter of Kairach, what he was doing, and as the Targum says, it says Vayikach Kairach, and Kairach took. So the Targum translates it a little bit differently, Vispalag Kairach. Kairach broke away. Kairach broke away. <coughs> So the Neim al says that what that means is he broke away is it's a similar to thing a similar idea to the what it says in the beginning of the Chumash that Hashem separated Rekia, he made a separation between the upper waters and the lower waters he divided between the upper waters and the lower waters so also was Kairach trying to drive a wedge to divide between the upper and the lower Uptail and upshade in Kairach was trying to separate between the upper and the lower. And that's what his complaint, that's what he was trying to do when he complained about Aaron's position. To explain, since a Kayan, his station is that he is completely removed from worldly matters. He, there are many things that a Kayan is exempt from doing that other people do have to do. Why? Because they're dedicated to the service in the Beis HaMikdush. And it's Hanuman nor Miktusha. He is meant to be occupied only in matters of holiness. Zachen, Miktusha Zachen. Boloshna Kosov, as the Pasuk says, Vayavdel Aaron Lahaktishai. The Pasuk says, Hashem separated away Aaron to sanctify him. Kaidish Kadoshim, that he should be holy of holies. Who Uvan of him and his sons. So we see that the Pasuk itself indicates that Aaron is meant to be, Aaron and his sons and the Kayanim are meant to be elevated above the ordinary mundane life. They are meant to be holy, holy of holies. Especially Aaron the Kayan state in regards to whom it says in Migdosh that he's not even allowed to leave the Beis HaMikdash, he has to remain there any time when, when there is service, when he's supposed to be doing service. So therefore, Kairach said, your job is to be re- removed above the people, in a, in, ensconced in holiness, forget about what the people are doing. So then why are you elevating yourself above the people? What did he mean by that? So how is it and why? Why is it that Aaron, who was supposed to be holy, why is he attempting to bring his holiness down to the people? Why is he trying to influence the people with that holiness? He's meant to be above and beyond the people. Forget about the people. You remain where you're supposed to be. Al Kahal Hashem, the people, the, the rest of the community. 
as euch zeizon zich oifheben zu sein mudel von anja in yone eilam. Why is Aaron attempting to bring the Jewish people up to a level where they too will be removed from the world? When the work, the avoda, the service of an ordinary Jew is meant to be to engage in the world, to engage the physical matter in the world, to elevate the physical matter. The job of the rest of the Jewish people is that they should be involved and submerged in the world and to create a, ho- a holy place in the, in the world. So why is Aaron using his elevation to uplift the people to his level. He's supposed to be above and beyond. Well, is, that's what the Neymar says, that he was trying to um, create a separation between the upper and the lower. The Kainim have to remain up there, the people should remain down there. And that also explains why what Kairach said, why are you elevating yourself above the rest of the people? Why is that not in stira to them? How does that, how is Kairach going to explain why he's complaining that Aaron is elevating himself above the people when Kairach wanted to be a Kayan? That's what he wanted. He wanted to be the Kayan Godel. So he, he wanted to be elevated above the people. So why is he complaining that Aaron is elevated above the people when that's what he wanted to do himself? But this explains it. Kairach was looking at a completely different type of kahuna. In his mind, kahuna was a totally different thing. His type of kahuna, the one that he wanted was he's going to remain in an ivory tower, in a place of uh, surrounded by holiness, the people will deal with the world. He'll be above there. And he's complaining to Aaron, why are you elevated in such a way that you're trying to elevate the people up to your level? Valderech, in a, in a certain sense, this could be compared to the that we find in within Kedusha, Kairach stepped outside of Kedusha with his polemic. But we find a similar thing within the realms of Kedusha. A Shammai, the Shammai, the great sage Shammai, Mitzat Kaptonusi, because of his meticulousness, because he needed everything to be perfect. When there was a person that came and uh, like a, what we would call a nudnik, and he was asking all kinds of questions, can you convert me standing on one foot and so on, all that stuff that famous story so Shammai pushed him away he had a ruler in his hand and he pushed him away with the ruler in other words he couldn't get down to the person on the level that he was he didn't have the ability to uplift him like Hillel did which ultimately Hillel was able to uplift those people but Shammai remained above and beyond he, didn't, he couldn't get down to that level we, stay, we declare the Gemara declares that Beishamai's opinion in the place where, the, where Beishillel gives an opinion Beishamai's uh, opinion is not even considered anymore in other words he's completely above and beyond the reality of the, of the ordinary people and the reason is because Beishamai operated functioned on a, on a level with some derech he set a path for himself. Shashakul, uh, everything had to be in a 
perfectly balanced, and not balanced, but in a perfect way, everything has to fit perfectly, rather than Hillel, who was able to deal with the uh, weaknesses and the inconsistencies of ordinary people, and they knew how to deal with that. Shammai needed the perfection. So we see that even in Ketusha, there is such a thing as someone being above and beyond the people, and cannot, doesn't have what it takes to elevate the people. Another example of this, and his uh, colleagues, which actually refers probably to his son, many tried the approach of Rav Shimon but it didn't work for them. When Rav and Rav his son, who is the reference Chavera of the colleague of Rav Shimon what do we say about Rabbi Lazar? As a even after having spent a thirteenth year in the uh, in the cave, we know that uh, Rabbi Shimon Yochai spent uh, with his son spent twelve years in the cave because they were, had to escape from the Romans. After twelve years, they came out of the cave and they saw people. They had been submerged in learning Torah twelve years in a row without any other occupation. And now they see people plowing and planting, and every time Rebbe Lozer, every time he looked at them, he burned everything. Got destroyed in fire. He was so upset by people leaving uh, the, the study of Torah and uh, being occupied in holiness and spending time on mere plowing and planting and looking after their own personal needs. He got very upset, and everything got burnt. So they went. Uh, so they had to go back into the cave for a thirteenth year in order to learn to acclimatize themselves to the real world out there. And even after the 13th year, when they came out, still Rabbi Lozar, whatever he laid his eyes on, burst into flames, and Rabbi Shemim Yechai had to fix it. He fixed whatever he destroyed. So Rabbi Lozar still was not able to get down to the level of the people. He stood on a on a very high, a level way above the people. So we see that even in Ketusha there is this concept. When the myth is Musbar, and this explains was the onzik of Matnas Kohunis behemshech to machlegus kairach. That explains why Hashem gave the command, the mitzvah of the gifts to the kainim, in connection as a as a response to the polemic of kairach. The Matnas Kohuna Dritten Oiz de Shaiches und Fabun zwischen Iden mit Kayanim. Because the gifts that a Yid gives to the Kayan, it brings to, it draws our attention, it brings out the connection that exists between the Kayanim and the people. They're not two separate worlds, they complement each other. As Iden Gim Zeira Egentum zu Kayanim, the Yidden give of their wealth to the Kainim, the Kainim who are removed essentially from they didn't have fields, they didn't own uh, property and so on as we know which means that the Yidin are able to elevate their material things they take their ordinary material wealth, they give it to the Kainim which elevates it to a level of holiness so that so much so that Hashem calls that this is my portion. In other words, that the Yidden are giving this wealth to the Kayanim means they're giving it to Hashem. So the Yidden have the opportunity to elevate their Gashmias through the Kayanim, through giving it to the Kayanim, that that also becomes elevated and holy. 
So that explains why this is the response to Kairach. Hashem rejected Kairach's uh, vision of Kahuna, that it should be separate from the Jews. And he said, no, 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 it's going to be a work, a partnership work. The Yidin work, and then they elevate some of their holiness to Hashem by giving it to the Kairach. But that doesn't explain it enough because Emes Take, it may be true it may be true that Kairach was arguing against the status of Kahuna, especially Aaron. But what he intended was, as we explained it now, that the Kayanim should be separated from the people. In other words, that their connection is one in which they are elevated above them. But that there should be no connection between the lower elements of the world, the ordinary Yidden, with the upper, higher elements, holiness, godliness, um, like the Kayanim, so if that was his complaint, so what should have been the response? The response should have been as uh, the tikkun in an oifen as the inyanu from velzon in ganzen avegigem verenzum eivishten. The proper, the best response should have been, it would seem, that the yid, not just some small element of what they own, should be sanctified. But the response should have been that there's something that a yid could elevate completely and totally into holiness. A full to bring out a complete merging of the upper and the lower. That something worldly, the possession of a yid, should become completely sanctified. For instance, what's an example of a carbonus? Like, let's say, a carbon. Those kabbalas which are brought on the mizbeach, the entire animal becomes sanctified, not just one element of it, which is the case by the uh, the gifts that are given to the kohen. Only a small portion of what the yid has is given to the kohen. But it shouldn't be the response shouldn't be the gifts to the kohen. First of all, the it doesn't really become sanctified in the way that a carbon does, because who eats it? The Kayan eats it. It becomes his property to eat. In fact, some of the, some of the gifts that are given to the Kayan, like Truma, have a sanctity to it. You have to eat it under special conditions, it can't be Tomei, and so on. But many of the gifts are completely, have no sanctity at all. They're eaten in very, like an or, any ordinary meat, or other, they're used in the way ordinary Chulin unsanctified things are used but they don't have any sanctity so why would that be the response to Kairach when you're not sanctifying it, you're not bringing a level of sanctity to it so we basically have to answer why <coughs> the, it's gifts of Kayanim to the Kayanim which means that only a small part of it becomes sanctified rather than the entire thing becoming sanctified Gimel. Parshas Kairach Lentner Bekamashonim in the Vach from Gimel Tamos. Parshas Kairach is read in many years during the week of Gimel Tamos or the behind the Giyar or like that year, the year that uh, this Sikha was spoken. In the Togufe was on the day of Gimel Tamos itself. 
the tov was the Rebbe, the Shver is Bafrad Givorim from Tfisa in your Tafresh Bezayin. Gimel Tamas was the day in which the Friedrich Rebbe was freed from jail, from prison on Gimel Tamas, and he was sent to exile in Kastrama, which uh, um, just over a week later he was released from there too, and he was able to go leave completely. Par- yeah. And this was in the year 1927. Well, Pia Yedua, based on what is known as Alsis, Ashgoch protest that everything is by divine providence, especially according to the, what the Shalos says, as Alam Eidim Zainim is in the Parshis, in the the Shalos says that whatever Yom Tev occurs during a week is somehow alluded to in the reading of the Torah for that week. Is moving, so it's understood as the Teichem from Tog Hotashaychus from Teichem from Parshikayrach. That the mean that the Gimel Tamos must be connected, linked somehow to the Parsha Kairach as well. Light in the mountain beer. So based on the previous, previously explained ex, uh, the previous explanation, and also having explained Machlekes Kairach the way the Rebbe explained it, we can exp- it seems that we can explain the connection between Parsha Kairach and Gimel Tamos in the following way just like Kairach he didn't care about Kahuna in itself he didn't mind, he wanted to be a Kayin in other words he didn't care that Kayinim are elevated above the world, removed from the world but rather his polemic was his problem was you're taking this holiness which you were given as a gift to be completely removed from the world and you want to bring it down to the ordinary Jews as well that's his problem the people that the same thing happened with the Friedrich Rebbe's the enemies the people that were pursuing and uh, and tormenting the Friedrich Rebbe the Yifsekzia, he means the Jewish, uh, the Jewish department of the Communist Party. What bothered them, which is the reason why they arrested the Friedrich Rebbe, is given They weren't bothered by the fact that the Friedrich Rebbe, he kept Shabbos and he was doing Torah, mitzvahs, learning Torah, doing mitzvahs on his own. What bothered them was that he was spreading Torah. As they said, he spreads it to all corners of our country. He was trying to reach every Jew and bring Torah mitzvahs to the other Jews outside of himself, not just him and his family. So therefore, when they released him on Gimel Tamas, what did that mean? As the Eibishtad, Bavizn Golil Enkel, that Hashem showed everyone, it was clear, as Erken Mamshil Zainin Zain Arbet when If the reason that they arrested him was because they were against his spreading Torah to the rest of the Jews, when they released him, that meant that they acknowledged that they were wrong and that they that that they're going to have to let him do what he was con- and to continue doing what he's doing. The dogma to them was the Eibushtad Arabkinum and Umavatul given them iru from Kairach the midvaserat. And his case of a chayzim l'chal mailu berkoin the kohen of an aron. 
in a similar way that when Kairach made his argument against Aaron and Hashem wanted to respond so the, the Sifri says that the response was I am going to make it official that yes you are the Kayan it's going to be signed, sealed and delivered that Aaron is the legitimate Kayan in a similar way to that when they had to back down and release the Frida Gereba, what it meant was that they were acknowledging that he is able to continue doing what he was doing. Haber, however, is nish You can't say that it's exactly the same, it would seem, because Gimel Thomas nish given the full von Gimel Thomas was not the full freedom. He didn't get his full freedom then, the Frida Gereba. The only thing was that they, the only thing that happened then was that they released him from prison, as I said before. Because then, from prison, they sent him to an exile of in Kastrama. They sent him to a a very very far distant place without any communication a place where he was not able to conduct his work on behalf of spreading Torah mitzvahs. He was out of touch with anyone, with anything. There was a little hick down, a, a place which didn't have any of the technology that they had at that time. That is full freedom, came only later, uh, uh, ten days later, on Yud Beis Yud Gimel Tamas. And even after Yud Beis Tamos, there were still difficulties. They still made life very difficult until he had to leave Russia altogether. And he moved to Riga, then to Poland. So the, the, his freedom wasn't a real freedom, it wasn't a complete freedom. Certainly not Gimel Tamos, not even fully on Yud Beis Tamos. Muzman Zog, and therefore we have to say, as the Enlachkeit from the Geulah von Rebbe mit Ne'inim von Kaisa v'Chaisim l'Chol Ma'ilo Berakoyim, that the, connect, the comparison between the Friedrich Rebbe is being released, and what Hashem says, I will make it official, I will write it and seal it, and so on, Kohunas Aaron, and on behalf of the Kohuna of Aaron, is Pabunen Midem, tale from the Geulah, V'yer is noch given, Akupan v'Chitzainis, in the Agbalus von Golos, by Divas Habmim Arastirt. Therefore, we have to say that since uh, Gimel Thomas comes out during the Parsha Kairach, and there is in the story of Kairach, we see a similarity to Gimel Thomas. So the similarity must be in this way, the way that it, the reality was in the time of the Friedrich Rebbe, that it wasn't a complete freedom. He still had to function within the confines of Golos, even though it was called freedom. And to that is the comparison to what Hashem said, I will seal, I will write, and I will seal that Aaron is correct, and that he's, uh, he is the acknowledged Kayin. So the, the connection between the two, the similarity between the two, are in that state, in the state of imperfect um, freedom. Imperfect freedom. Dalit. So we'll understand this by first explaining some a question which seems to be an obvious question. A very simple question in regards to the gifts that we give to the Kayin and also similarly to what we give to the Levi in Maiser. 
the gifts of the Kayim, which what is what a Yid gives to the Kayim, Zendach, not nor bashtimte gor klenachalokim from Eden's nachasim, are a very small part of what the Yid has. He, a Yid has a hundred percent of what he uh, received, and he gives small portions of that, two percent to uh, for Truma, ten percent for Meiser. It's a, a small fraction of what he really owns. Even when we talk about Truma and Chala, which the Torah says, you have to give the very first, meaning the best, the first it has a certain importance to it, even before you get to use any of it, you have to give it to the Kayan, even though it has that status, Truma and Chala, but, uh, but it still is only a small amount that has to be given. Says Stav Zayin Reishis, and I feel him the Rabbanon is betruma ayin yof echad marboim. It's true that it needs to be the first, but even with the Rabbanon, the Torah says in regards to truma that it can be anything you want. It could be one grain of wheat can cover a hundred pounds, but the Rabbanon gave a limit, uh, gave a, an amount that it should be given. That if a generous person gives one part of forty which is a little bit more than 2%, and an average person gives uh, 1 in 50, which is 2%, and so on. Valderas Abachala, the same Abachala, also they gave amounts, how much a regular person should give, how much a baker gives, and so on. Abenishtai vegeben seine tfu in ganzen als truma. But nobody is expected to, in fact, um, <coughs> we'll get to the in fact in a minute, nobody has to give away his whole holdings for truma, only a small part of it. In fact, you're not allowed to give the whole thing for truma. You have to give of your holdings in a way that what's left over should also be recognized, even if somebody wants to give a lot. But you can't give away so much that you can only even say that you, you don't even see that you left something for yourself. That undermines the, its, its status of truma. The same is true for Meiser, which literally means tithing, 10%. Is only 10% of what of his produce. So this needs to be understood. We can understand why there has to be a minimum amount. You can give no less than this. You can't give less than what the Torah determines, or the Rabbanon determines. Is moving that we can understand. But why should there be a maximum that you're allowed to give? You can give no more than this. That a person is not permitted to give everything that he has and to sanctify everything that he has to Hashem. For many cases, you're not like in Meiser. You give only ten percent. You're not meant to. You're not allowed to give more than ten percent. Because the Rambam paskin and the Rambam rules, a person should never uh, dedicate, sanctify all of his uh, all of his possessions. And if somebody does do that, he violates the spirit of the law. But rather, what is the right way to do it? Anyone that wants to be generous with his money in regards to mitzvahs, should give no more than 20%. 
So the Raman puts an upper limit on it, not more than 20%. So the question is, why is there an upper limit? Why shouldn't a person be able to give more and much more and everything even? Hey, the beer of So the explanation of all this is, as the Mavur and Chesidus, it's explained in Chesidus, the Chilik Svishim, Kainim, Leviyim, Chesidus explains the difference between a Kayan and a Levi. As a Kayan is in Yonah Isha Chesed. A Kayan is a person that is, comes from the perspective of Chesed, giving. On in Yonah the idea of what is a Levi, is Gevura, they come from a perspective of discipline. In his polemic with Aaron, with Aaron being a Kayin, he wanted that Gvura discipline should overpower Chesed. As the Leviim, he wanted that the Leviim and their way of Aveda, the way of discipline, should, should be dominant. And that the Kayanim and their way of Avaida Chesed should be secondary. In Avaida Sa'adam is the Chiluk Tzvisha Chesed Gvura. What is the difference between Chesed and Gvura as it pertains to how a Yid serves Hashem? Chesed is in Yonah Hashpah Chesed means that it, the Hashpah, the flow, comes from above. There is a Hashem gives without requiring anything. He gives because He is kind and he is uh, chesed, he wants to give and therefore he gives without any need for the person to have, a, have earned any of that gift shuv invelt, or in another way of looking at it is it's the flow that comes from above and comes down to the world so it is a flow which comes from above to down here, meaning the end, the purpose is recognizing that there is a purpose in the world. Hashem gives gifts to the world. Gevura means when a person works down here and refines that which he has in this world and elevates it upwards, which is which is the attempt to be able to take something that is coarsely physical and to be able to elevate it, refine it and bring it up from its state of being worldly to a state of being spiritual in other words the opposite direction taking something from the world and bringing it upwards Ratsui striving to meet holiness to get into the realm of holiness whereas the chesed is the opposite, something that is in the holy realm comes down to this world what was the meaning of what Kairach wanted to do? As the He meant, what he meant to say was, what's a Yid's role in this world? He said the role of a Yid is, tear yourself away from the confines of the world and strive to become more spiritual. Try to escape the world. Try to get up there to the holiness. That's Gvura. As we said, it's working with your own, with what you have, and trying to escape from, the, from being anchored to the world and being able to rise up to the spiritual. And that's what Kairach wanted to bring out. He wanted to, that should be the primary way of serving Hashem.
Kairach had gehalten, because Kairach was of the opinion, as Tachtainen v'zizainen in Zeir Metzias, that the lower elements, as they are, as we are in who we are in this world, lower people, we can't be receptacles to godliness. We're too coarse. Godliness cannot permeate our being as we are connected to the world. And that's why they have to be able to shed the physical uh, side of ourselves and to be able to rise up to a more spiritual place in which we will be able to meet Hashem. To escape our status as being lowly and to be able to meet Hashem in a spiritual place and that's where we can absorb godliness this does not in any way contradict that which we said at the beginning of the Sikha about what Kairach was trying to accomplish as the Machlegas from Kairach is given Earlier we said that that Kairach's problem with Aaron was that he is attempting to bring that Holy Spirit that he lives in down to the people that they too should rise up to this holy place. Now we're saying that he wanted that everybody should be there, that that should be the uh, what everybody strives for. So that seems contradictory, but it's not contradictory. Why? Because since how is it happening? How is a yid being elevated? Because Aaron brings his influence to the yidin and brings them up a level. Aaron being the holy one that he is brings that holiness down to the Jews. In other words, it's working the other way. The holiness of Aaron is being shed upon the Jewish people. They are being bathed in the light of holiness because Aaron has that holiness. So that the people remain the way they are. They remain lowly. Aaron brings down chesed or, or holiness from his place of where he is to the people as where, where they are. So therefore, what does he accomplish by that, Aaron? So what he's doing is, he's undermining the Yidin's ability to rise up from their own lowliness. If it was left, left up to the Yidin that they have to rise up and they're not going to be given any free gifts from above, so then they will be motivated to, to tear themselves away from their connection to the lowliness, to be able to come up to a place of holiness. But if Aaron is going to bestow that holiness upon them as they are in their lowliness, so then they're not going to be tearing themselves away from their holiness, they will just remain who they are, and Hashem gave them a gift, Aaron gave them a gift of holiness. That went against what Kairach wanted. Nor as the What is happening is suddenly because Aaron, uh, you know, bestowed holiness upon the people in their lowliness. So suddenly the lowly people have this ability to be able to absorb godliness. This is more like what we say that besides for doing mitzvahs, Hashem also requires that every yid, everything in your life, 
or even the ordinary eating, sleeping, the things that you go about that don't have connection specifically to mitzvahs should also be for the sake of heaven. So even eating should become a a way in which to absorb godliness. Or as the other positive that all of your ways, all those things that you do, they are still in the state, they're still in the status of they are your activities, not Hashem's activities. We're not talking about doing a mitzvah, we're talking about when you're doing your things. They should also be L'Shem Shemayim. So that's what Aaron was accomplishing, that he brings holiness from above, and that the people in their own mundane and ordinary activities are also able to absorb holiness. That went exa- against what Kairach believed in. He believed that there should be no connection to lowliness. A yid should strive and tear, you know, shed the... Uh, the connection to the lower elements and just become holy. That's why they're not a contradiction. Well, my high timer for this reason is the upshlag on Tikkunayf Machlegis Kairach. Therefore, the response to what Kairach was demanding, and in other words, Hashem was showing, no, that's not the right way. This is the right way. What did He say is the right way? The right way is not that there should be that the Yidin should bring a lot of karbonus and everything should become sanctified. Nor karbonus which become completely sanctified, or other gifts which everything is given to Hashem. Rather, Mizdos Makir, no, still explaining karbonus, Mizdos Makir Mizbeach, nor he didn't want, the response was not carbonus which are brought in the Mizbeach, but rather the proper response is the gifts to the Kayat, which, how do they work? In Akrovas, when we talk about bringing a carbon, and in a general sense, all matters which are properly sanctified, where a Yid sanctifies something that he owns and it becomes the property of the Beis Amigdash. That doesn't say, that doesn't express that something that is lowly can also become a, a host to godliness. Because it seems to be saying that if you want to be a host to godliness, you have to completely give it away to Hashem. It has to become a carbon or completely sanctified. But if you, it's going to remain connected to the lowly world, the physical world, then it can't be a host to Hashem, to godliness. Because when you bring a carbon, the carbon become is no longer connected to the to the mundane world. It has become completely sanctified. It has now left its connection to the person to the to the person's own property. And they become completely sanctified. They're so holy that they can be brought onto the Mizbeach. And it would seem that only then could you have, be a host to godliness, which is exactly what Kairach uh, was saying. But when we talk about Matnus when a person takes some of what he owns and gives it to the Kayin, when the Kayin Estes and Azvedam, and the Kayan eats that gift. And that is as the, the Pasuk describes it. 
they eat it as a royal gift. That's what it's. In other words, it's it's seen as some a gift of significance of greatness. And it's eaten like the kings, like the royal families eat. And it's not necessarily Jewish royals. It could be non-Jewish royals as well. In other words, it's eaten in a way of greatness, but not necessarily holiness specifically. So much so that some of the gifts to the specifically the ones that also apply outside of Eretz Yisrael. There are some gifts to the Kayin which only apply in Eretz Yisrael, like Truma and so on. But then there are other ones, like let's say, I don't know, the sharing of the wool perhaps. So also that is applies also out of Eretz Yisrael. So they do not become sanctified. They remain unsanctified even after you give them to the Kayin. Dafke in them is Nikar and Mudgish, and it's only there which you can actually see and sense that even as they remain lowly and ordinary and mundane they are a gift to the Kayan and that they are something of holiness you have given, you have elevated something to give it to the Kayan that's why that's the proper answer to Kairach's complaint you don't have to tear yourself away from the world in order to become a host to godliness you can remain in the world and you can remain ordinary uh, uh, mundane and also there bring godliness into the mundane world but even when we talk about the gifts of the Kayin it still doesn't bring out to in a perfect way that even lower things ordinary mundane things as they are in their state of being lowly, that they also can become connected to Elokos. In other words, that Matnas Kahuna cannot be qualified, he's going to explain why they can't be qualified as truly mundane, lowly things. And that's why it won't bring out that even mundane, lowly things can become connected to Elokos. Why are they not lowly, mundane things? Varum, because, number one, most of the gifts of the Kayin, the Eseb Migdash, the ten which come from Karbonus that are brought in the Migdash, that there's ten of them, like um, various different Karbonus, which are given to the Kayin, also the Shteya Lechem, Lechem Aponim, and so on, which are given to the Kayin. So they are sanctified in their already, they're already holy. And also the ones that are by Yerushalayim, the four that are given in Yerushalayim, which are B'chayr, Bikurim, they're eaten in Yerushalayim, not in the Beis HaMikdash. Um, that which is given from a Shlomim, and also the uh, skins of Kach, of, uh, of Karbonus, which belong to the Kayin. They could use it anywhere in Yerushalayim. They're in Freer Kaidish. They are, by the time they get to the Kayin, they are already sanctified. They were Karbonus. Bikurim was already made into Bikurim before it got to the Kayan, and so on. Only after that they're given to the Kayan. So by the time they're given as a gift to the Kayan, they were in a state of holiness already. As the Gemara says, that the Kayanim, they, what they get to, to benefit from is 
Hashem gives it from His table. In other words, it's not the Yid so much giving it to the Kayin, it's the Yid gives it to Hashem. Hashem gives it to the Kayin. So it's already considered of Hashem's table, of Hashem's something that is godly, that is holy. Also, then there is also ten which are considered to be from outside Eretz Yisrael. These are given even outside Eretz Yisrael. They're uh, uh, like, for instance, Truma, Trumas Maisa, Chal, Ben, because all of these things have to be done also outside Eretz Yisrael. And some other ones. Zayich Truma Bikurim Achalaso, also Truma Bikurim was already mentioned in the before in the Yerushalayim. But in regards to these three of Truma Bikurim Achala, is the Bazei Fri Araroma Benesin Lashem. You also have to first, the person, the Yid, separates it. The Truma gets separated, and then he gives it to the Kayan. You take a piece of Chala, and then you give it to the Kayan. Same with Bikurim. When Eresh the Noch Kum the Geben Sim Kayan, only then you give it to the Kayan. With the Posig is Manager Parasenu, as the Posig in our Pasha puts an emphasis on this. It says, Reshisa Masheyitnu Lashem Lachonusatim. The firsts which they give to Hashem, which is talking about Truma, I have given them to you. In other words, first the Yid gives it to Hashem, and Hashem gives it to the Kayan. Also, Bikurei Kol Hashem Ba'artsam, the Bikurim which is given from their land which is given to Hashem will belong to the Kayin so in other words it already belonged to Hashem before it was given to the Kayin and then in regards to Chala it also says you give it to Hashem as a separation and then it's given to the Kayin so therefore they all are already in a state of sanctification it's not lowly anymore by the time he gets to the claim it's already sanctified even by something that was stolen from a ger and then there's nobody to return it to so it goes to the kayanim so that also is, it says that Hashem takes possession of it and only then is it given to the kayanim in other words all of these are going first to Hashem become sanctified and then are given to the Kayin. Another thing, even the other ones from the Esaf Bigvulim, from the remaining seven from the uh, territories, which are all over the world, there are also things there which even while they're still in the ownership of the Yisrael, it already belongs to the Kayin. Vimatonis, as we know that whenever a yid shechted uh, an animal, he had to give the foreleg, the uh, the cheek bone with the tongue and so on, and the stomach had to be given to the kayan. So those are defined. We already know what they are, and they belong. Um, when a yid shechts a carbon, those belong to the kayan even before he gives it. It's already belong. It already belongs to the kayan. Stay achuza or certain types of fields, they charamim, uh, if a person uh, declares it to be a cherim, in other words, he wants to give it as a gift to Hashem, it also goes to the kayin. So these are, as soon as it happens, it becomes the kayins. Or a kayins. In other words, it's already dedicated, designated to the kayin, so it's already sanctified originally, before it's given to the kayin. In addition to the fact, and 
in fact, those two, the gifts of Zrael, Chayayim, Vekeva, from every animal and the field that is given, was not mentioned in this parsha as one of the 24. We only learn it later. Umatonis and the gifts of the, uh, the different parts of the animal that have to be given. Zainim vi, Chazal, Zogn, our sages tell us about that, that they're connected. Fabunim et Maisa Pinchas. That was only something that came as a result of what Pinchas did by Zimri. So the, uh, they were given an additional gift, Zraya Lachayim Vekeva, in reward for what Pinchas did. So in other words, that these are things which are, many, uh, most of them are already things which are already sanctified. So how does that bring out the point that even something that is lowly is also connected to Hashem? These are not lowly. These were already, those are already, they already belong to Hashem. So it doesn't truly bring out fully that point that even something that is lowly and mundane and ordinary can also be Sanctified. That's why he, the uh, pasuk continues in the parsha. That's why he talks. Also, he brings into the discussion the meiser, the tithing that is given to the levi, which number one, even when the yid already separates the meiser and he gives it to the levi. It remains ordinary, and it's not sanctified in any way. It has no sanctity to it. And Anyone is allowed to eat it. You don't have to be in a state of tara, nothing. You don't have to be a kayan or a levi. Anyone can eat it. It doesn't have any sanctity to it. And number two, it's not a defined thing that belongs in your crop that you have. Nobody can point to any part of it to say this is the part that belongs to the levy. Cert, in uh, certain matnas kahuna, like let's say the uh, the forearm and the the, the cheek, the jaw, and the stomach, it's defined. We know that it belongs to the kohen, but meiser has no such definition. Whatever the yid picks out of it, whatever ten percent he takes, that's what belongs to the levy. But before the yid takes, separates it, it, you can't tell which belongs to the levy. In other words, it doesn't have any sanctity at all. Not before you uh, separate it, not after you separate it. So that bring, truly emphasizes and brings home the point. That even something which is completely unsanctified, it's very ordinary. <coughs> and mundane. Tachtayne mamish. This is literally just a part of the crop. Is oich fabunim mit is also connected to Hashem. The mitvos megidus up to Levi by giving it to the Levi, it becomes sanctified. But does Hashem unachlosay because a Levi is the inheritance, is the the people of Hashem, and Hashem decided that they should give it. So that gives it a, a holiness, even though it remains ordinary. That brings home the point even more that. Even a regular, ordinary thing is also a host to godliness. And from the Matnas Kahuna, you wouldn't get that message completely. That's why he adds in also the Meiser Zion. One of the the uh, challenges with which Kairach began this polemic with Aaron, with Moshe about Aaron was that he posed the following question. 
Kulatchelis. If you have a garment which is completely of blue wool, blue wool is of course the strand that you have to put into the tzitzis. Do we say that if a garment is all blue wool, then you don't need tzitzis anymore? Because the whole tzitzis is one strand of blue wool. Here, the entire garment is blue wool. So it was a nonsensical uh, challenge, but he meant something with it. And according to Chsidis, this is what he meant. Is Mavur Tanosin Chsidis. Chsidis explains what he was trying to say. That in Fantalis Levush, Shakulat Chelis, a garment, when he, when he was referring to a garment, that means that expresses the idea of something which encompasses, surrounds a person, rather than as something which is internal to the person. So he felt that when we're dealing with a makif, a makif which is, which is the right makif, a powerful makif, so then what do you need tzitzis? Uh, why do you have to improve that makif with tzitzis? What are tzitzis? Tzitzis represent the strands or the fringes which come from the garment. In other words, the things that the, come from the garment that can penetrate internally. That represents that which is, penetrates internally. So he said, if you have a powerful makif, what do you need it to go b'pnimius? By this he wanted to express what his problem was with Kuhunus Aaron, which is he had the problem with Kuhunus Aaron, which is that Aaron should stay, remain makif, he should remain above the people, he shouldn't lower himself down into, to become internal to the people, to influence the people. In what does this mean in our Aveda in a more subtle way? What does this mean? When the Aveda that a Yid applies in order to refine, to do refinement. So, when, if it comes as a result of something which comes from above the person, like let's say Hashem reveals himself in a certain way, or Aaron, because of his great holiness, influences the Yid. So it's not from within the Yid. It comes from something outside of him, something higher than him. And not as a result of the person having done the hard work on his own and refined himself, something from within him. So even though it may be true that the person, because of the outside influence, becomes connected to Hashem, but since it's coming from something higher than the person, so in comparison to who the person, the Yid himself is, it's something which is outside of him. In other words, it's something which merely encompasses him. It surrounds him rather than it comes from within the person internally. It lacks the fact that it should be internal to the person that would have if it was came from within the person themselves that would be that's something that's internal but since it's coming from outside influences therefore it's considered makif therefore based on this we can say 
noch nicht in ganzem Maspik als Tikkun of Machleikus Kairach. And based on this, we can now explain that even Meiser, which he already explained, is, a, is much different than Truma and the other of the Matnas Kahuna, which are essentially holy, whereas Meiser is, is mundane and remains non-holy. But even Meiser is not enough to, war, to sort of push back against Kairach's polemic. But we need also, it has to, we have to find something where, which completely affects the, the lower realms, the ordinary, the mundane, in a way that it transforms them, that they become included into holiness. They have what truly will accomplish this is when we look at what happens to the to that aspect that wealth which remains the possession of the yid. It's not given to the kayan. It's not given to the levi. It remains within the possessions of the yid. So the thing which be, from which you separated your truma, from which you separated the miser, that possession, what happens to that? That's where we need to find connection to Hashem. In that do we need to find and establish and create a connection to Hashem. When we talk about the gifts to the Kayan and, and also miser, on their own kishala atzman vibal does a yid is a mekayim the fathers design a mitzvah Hashem. Since why does a yid give truma and even meiser? Because ultimately he's doing a mitzvah. He does it because that is a mitzvah. The far ver dozein ishtariz gebrach b'shleimos, and that's why because they are already on a level of a mitzvah, that's why it doesn't fully, totally bring out as oich dvarim gashmim. And so it doesn't bring out that even physical things, ordinary material things, as they are in their state of ordinary material things, not as they already became holy, or even not as they became a mitzvah, they still remain ordinary and mundane because that's what remains the possession of the yid that does the mitzvah with the other, with the part that he gave away. Verin kalim lelukus. We have to find a way that they should become kalim telukus. Okay, muvan oich from them was amachazal, and this is understood also from what our sages tell us. Vilu benigei even in regards to tztaka, which tztaka doesn't rise to the level of truma or meiser, as nochen tzivui of meiseris. That after the Hashem commands us about the mitzvah of giving ten percent tithing, is zachelik from mammon and achosav as v'chatchilik gehertes nisht zeem unsev beem b'teiros pekodin. The Chachamim point out to us that when a person gives tzaka, even by tzaka, certainly by meiser and truma, that we have to see it and understand it as something which never was ours to begin with. It was something which was given to us only as for safekeeping and it was given to us for the purpose of sharing it giving it to the Kayan or giving it to the Levi in the case of Meiser or in the case of Tzedakah giving it to the poor man 
So therefore, in the case of Truma and Meiser, it doesn't fully express that there are there is a part of your possession which is totally and completely mundane and ordinary, and that you can bring godliness to that, because it's still dealing with there is a mitzvah to give the Truma, there is a mitzvah to give the Meiser, and the fact that you have all of this is for the purpose of giving Truma and Meiser. So it doesn't yet express that completely and totally ordinary and mundane things have the ability to also rise to holiness. We're only dealing with things at this point, we're dealing with things only which are involved in a mitzvah. Certainly the truma itself, which is holy, the miser even, which a mitzvah was done with it, but even the part which remains with you also was party to this mitzvah and therefore is not just simply ordinary and mundane but when giving your truma your matnus kohuna and the maiser when that brings uh, emphasizes even though the remainder of it belongs to the person to the ordinary person and it's meant to be used for the, your personal needs but now that you say why am I able to use it when I begin to realize that why is it that I am able why did Hashem leave some with me so that I could use it for myself is because Hashem gave it to me for that purpose when the far and for that reason since it's all given to me by Hashem that's why I use it in a way that Hashem would want me to use it by this you are also bring out that even just ordinary material things which remain ordinary material things because they belong to me. Hashem left them with me. Is the in the beginning and it's in other words that this is truly the realm of the lowly. Here we see that even something so ordinary that truly can be referred to as the lowly and tachtainim also can become connected to Hashem with godliness in a way that it's my ways it's the way that I behave it's the, what I do with my money but even in that I do it in the way that Hashem wants me to do it and that truly expresses the place the dwelling place for Hashem in the lower realms because we're talking about truly lower realms not about holiness and there Hashem gets to be recognized it gets to be introduced hosted in that ordinary and mundane personal wealth so in other words it's not the truma and not even the miser which brings out true it's the part that remains that remains personal wealth which brings out the true meaning of one perhaps based on this we can explain as does gufa is the time was by side by matnus kuna side by meiser is da shir this may be the explanation why 
as we asked before, why is there a, an up high limit? You can't give more than a certain amount. You said before, we can understand why you have to give a minimum amount, but why is there a maximum amount that you can give and you can't give it all away? This could explain it. In uh, as, uh, as well as that a person is not allowed to give away all of his possessions to tzedakah or to a mitzvah the reason is because the connection that a, per, a yid expresses to Hashem in that personal wealth and the stuff that remains with you that's not part of a mitzvah is in an under the expression of connection to godliness with your personal wealth is very different than your connection to godliness that is expressed through the money that you give away for a mitzvah as we said before that that's truly your personal wealth and and still there you express your connection to Hashem and that is also the meaning of the Torah is concerned about the wealth of a yid. Now, what is the meaning? The, the simple meaning, of course, is that the Torah doesn't want to waste Jewish money. But the inner dimension of that is the Torah needs also that a person in his personal wealth should express his connection to Hashem. The Torah doesn't want everything to be all connection to Hashem to be expressed through a mitzvah. The Torah needs you to express your connection to Hashem with your own personal, ordinary, mundane wealth as well. And that's why you have to leave some for that kind of expression. You can't give it all away in a mitzvah. You have to leave some for yourself and live connection to Hashem even with that ordinary, mundane wealth. Ches. A somewhat of a comparison to these three levels that we talked about till now, which are kotshim mamish. There is that which is considered sanctified completely, like a korban. Then there is for the majority of the gifts to the kohen and maiser, which is that there is part that goes to the Kayan and part that remains yours and then the third one which is in the Chosim was blighted by the mention the part which remains yours there is the Matnus Kahuna which are not wholly sanctified like uh, carbon, but they still have a certain type of holiness or at least in the case of Meiser a mitzvah and then there is what remains yours so those are three different levels so to expla- explain those in Madregus and Achtes Hashem how they express the oneness of Hashem on three different levels. Yeshleimen, we could say that the three levels in Achdus Hashem are the Inufun Yichud Avaye Echad Momatala Maila. The the fact that we recognize Hashem's oneness from the perspective from below looking upwards. Then there is Avaye Echad Momatala Lamata. There is our recognition that the recognition that Hashem is one the way it's understood from upward looking downward. And then there's Yichud, 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 bringing those two, those are called, those two levels that we just said are Yichud, which is the perspective from above. Yichud, is the perspective looking upwards from down below. And then the way the two come together, the two merge and become one and the same. 
to explain the inu from Havaya Echadara Darachaliyam Matalamaila is what is the oneness of Hashem as we see it from down here and we try to rise up to it. That means that after the, the, the world is in existence, Hashem created the world. So we live in the world as it exists as a world. We still recognize that the world is still completely bottled to Hashem, even as it exists as, it exists as a world. And it's, as, it's totally bottled to Hashem, just like before it had been created. Which means that we recognize that everything that Hashem created, it has no real um, value. They are not an, uh, a Metzius, and they are Emes and Metzius. What they truly are is in Atzilus. Where is true existence? True existence is not in this world down here, the, the creation, but true is this, Hashem created things in the world of Atzilus, in the world of holiness. And that eventually evolves into physical beings as well. But the true meaning of, of creation is in the world of Atzilus. That's where true reality is. That's one way of looking at it. If you have that kind of a perspective, where the whole world is val- it has no real value, the real value is in the world of Atzilus, so then that calls out, what does it cause? It causes that you should strive to tear yourself away from the fake world, the false world, and to try to strive to become, to get closer to spiritual, to the spiritual that's another way of explaining what tzaddikim do they recognize that the, the whole world has no value the real value is spirituality as we see that tzaddikim are removed from the physical another approach of the oneness of Hashem which is the way it's seen from above down is the Velikus in That is the recognition that Hashem exists within everything. It's not that the world, the physical world, is fake and that the truth is in Atsilas. Hashem has the power to invest Himself into anything, in everything. Which means there is a world. The world does exist, and it has value. But you want to know what the value of the world is. The fact that it is godliness. That it's just an extension of godliness. But it does exist. It has value, the physical world. Its value is that it truly is godliness. And if you recognize it in that way, Hashem's unity, that He is united with the physical as well, that expresses an Aveda, that sort of draws you, pushes you, propels you to an Aveda, nisht up to zich from Welt, not to separate yourself from the world, there's no need to do that, the world is real, and it is godliness, there's no reason to try to escape it, nor other to the contrary, Suton midvarim gashmim, to get involved, and to work with the physical reality, and is nana from the davar gashmi, you benefit, you work with the physical thing, 
Nor the is an oil kiss. You can enjoy it. But what is the enjoyment of a physical thing? It is godliness. You see it as connecting to godliness by engaging the physical world. So that's a higher level, <coughs> at least a more um, more desired level that Hashem wants the Yidin to engage the world. But in this kind of unity, even though you're connected to the physical world thing, but as godliness, as you see the physical world thing is godliness, the heritus aber but in that perspective you still see it as two separate things which have come together. There is a lakus unadabagashmi. There is the physical thing, but you recognize that Hashem has invested himself into the physical thing as well. But you see it as two separate things. You recognize that there is a difference between godliness and the physical. But when you bring together those two uh, approaches, is nirgish vidimitsiyas hagashmi unzainasiya vahano verin an inyu fanilakus. From that perspective, you begin to see that the whole physical object, there, it's not that there is a physical object in which Hashem has invested Himself. The physical object itself and everything that you, your engagement with it, it's all godliness. There is no difference between the physical and godliness. They both express the same thing. The physical is godliness. Based on this, we can now explain the, the connection between Gimel Tamos with Kairach, with Parsha Kairach. When we talk about Yud Beis Tamos, in which the Rebbe was completely set free, they released him even from going, from having to be in exile in Kastorma. That doesn't express fully that the Friedrich Rebbe's work in spreading Yiddishkeit had even reached to the lowest of the low, meaning to the people that arrested him. They too should agree that the Friedrich Rebbe could continue in his, in his work. Why doesn't Yud Beis Thomas express that fully? Because at that time they had already lost control. He had left their control. He was completely out of their control at that point. Even though to others they still worked to suppress Yiddishkeit. But the Friedrich Rebbe was, out of, was gone from their control. It's only on Gimel Tamas when they had the power to send them to Kastorma. And when he was on his way there, when he was traveling there, even before he reached there, uh, he arranged already that over there in Kastorma they should gather together Jewish children and to make us cheder. Uh, the mikveh, he arranged already that they should fix the mikveh. And he already he said, he said, chsidus in the place we arrived. It was only that when he's still under their control, 
that over there it expresses that in the lowest of the low, because he's still in the lowest of the low then, as they still are in their lowliness. What is the lowliness express? That they are still trying to suppress the Rebbe. In that condition that they were, still trying to suppress the Rebbe, still they were forced to recognize that they have to release him from prison. They cannot, he could continue doing what he does, even though they still think they control him, although they still attempt to control him. So even as he's under the control, when the Tachtainim still exists fully, he's already doing what he needs to do. He has the, the permission and the ability, and he actually went ahead and did, and uh, practiced our spreading Torah and Yiddishkeit. In a very similar way to what was the ultimate response to what Kairach wanted, as that even the ordinary material things, as they are in their ordinary, lowly, mundane uh, status of the ordinary possessions of a yid, not a mitzvah, not a holiness. There, it's important to express that essentially, that truly, they are godliness. The, the Friedrich Rebbe wanted that too, that had to be expressed, that even in their lowest element, in the lowest status, where they're still trying to control the Rebbe, even there they agreed that the Friedrich Rebbe has the permission, has the ability to do what he needs to do. Yud al pikol anal yeshleima. Based on this, we could say, as the drayin yonim anal that these three levels, v'shab mevatel given a masakin given machlekes kairach. These three levels, which were able to neutralize and at least uh, to some degree fix res- the response to the machlekes of kairach. So in a bechlolus merumas oichin the teirev as the Rebbe had gezakta rang the harayz gainik from tefisa. These three levels, which we talked about, holiness, and then semi-holiness, and then the ordinary, and that, of course, godliness is felt and experienced in all of them, also was expressed in that which the Rebbe taught, the Friedrich Rebbe said when he came out of prison, far and up far in Kastorma, before he traveled to Kastorma. What, would, what did he say? This is what he said, We request of Hashem. Yehi Hashem Alekeinu Imanu, Hashem should be with Hashem Alekeinu, Hashem our God should be with us, Kasher Hoyim Avesenu, as He was with our forefathers. Al Yazveinu Val Yitzhenu, He should not abandon us, He should not abandon us. Hashem is Varazolzaimit Uns, Hashem should be with us, Unvetzaimit Uns, and He will be with us, Kasher Hoyim Avesenu, just as He was with our forefathers. Hagam Mirzainen Dachnish Glaich Tzu Avesenu. Even though we are not similar, we cannot be compared to our forefathers. They were people of Mesiris Nefesh in actual fact. They actually gave their lives. For the sake of Torah Mitzvah, they actually practiced Mesiris Nefesh. That's what he said. So to explain the connection between this and the three levels that we talked about. By first explaining something else. Because we have to understand about this 
um, these words that the Friedrich Rebbe said. Number one, in Lashon Abakasha, in the expression that he asked, his request of Hashem, Yehi Hashem Alekeinu Imanu, May Hashem our God be with us. So Bishlema, to understand these words, I can understand Shemavaya, why the name Yutke Vavke belongs in this request, in this prayer. Havaya means past, present, and future all in one, as the word Havaya expresses. When we talk about a level of godliness which is completely transcendent of the world, where past, present, present, and future is, is one, which means it's outside the realm of creation. So then we have to say, He should be with us. Because that's a level of godliness which transcends the world. We have to pray that it should be with us. We are in the world, it should be with us. But when we talk about the name Alekim, is that the meaning of the word Alekim is as it is amits that he is powerful, as has the ability both in the upper worlds and in the lower worlds. And it's not a lakim, it's a lakim, it's our God. So, in other words, it's a level of God which is also invested into the world. And we call it a lakim, our God. In other words, he's connected to us. So, the meaning of a lakim means he is our power, he is our life, so he's connected to us. So that the name itself expresses that Hashem is with us. So then why does he have to add the word, let him be with us? The name itself expresses that he's with us. So either he should have left out the word Imanu because he already said Elekeinu, or he should have just left out Elekeinu and said Yehashem Imanu. A second question: Yehi avaya lekenu imanu. He should be with us. Is the shaloi be'erech mer from al yazvein al yichenu? When you say that Hashem should be with us, that is a much higher level than saying He shouldn't abandon us. So, if you already said that Hashem should be with us, why are you adding He shouldn't abandon us? That's a that's a much lower thing. If you've already prayed for let Him be with us, why talk about not abandon us? A third question. The Rebbe had gesagt, <coughs> the Rebbe said, Even though we are not, cannot can be compared to our forefathers, who were people of Mesiris Nefesh in a very real way for Torah Mitzvahs. Why did he say that? It would seem, by The Friedrich Rebbe, especially at that time, was actually practicing Mesiris Nefesh in a very real way. He even sat in Tfisa, while he sat in Tfisa, and even after that. So even if you say he was, uh, he was out of humility, out of humility, he didn't consider his Mesiris Nefesh to rise to the level of the mysterious nefesh of his forefathers. But even so, 
in the, in Aloshan, so he didn't have to say it in such a way. He said it in a way in which he negated his our, his mysterious nefesh. Even if he wants to be humble that his mysterious nefesh is not as great as theirs, but why say why express it in a way as if his mysterious nefesh is not real? He somehow negated his mysterious nefesh. He expressed it in that way. Why did he express it in that way? Yudalov is the beer in them. The explanation is the Rebbe had givol peilzayin dem inyan hagulah by all yidden. The Friedrich Rebbe wanted to bring out redemption for all yidden. Biz oich by divazayin nor b'shem yisrael yechuna. Even those people, as we say, those yidden, which the only thing that makes them Jewish is that they have the name Jew attached to them. That's what b'shem yisrael yechuna. That they merely are called Yidden. The only thing that they have going for them is that they are named, they have the name Yidden. But they don't practice, they don't do any, they don't feel for it, and so on. Even those Yidden, the Friedrich Rebbe also wanted to bring them along in his redemption. That's why he said the words Hashem Elokeinu Imanu. But there is suffer, and by and also added even though we are not cannot be compared to our forefathers. That says, what he meant to say is, what he meant to say is, even those Yidin which cannot be compared to our forefathers, not necessarily that he can't, or other Yidin which do practice, and do, are committed to Torah, Mitzvah, and so on, and therefore could be compared to Avaseinu, but those Yidin are merely called Yidin and therefore they cannot be compared to Avaseinu. Bizaz because they don't practice mysterious nefesh they don't practice Yiddishkeit so even by these Yidin Hashem should be with them just like he is with our, was with our forefathers <coughs> so based on this as the Rebbe had gevolt oifton de geulab oich bai di vazanenach b'shem Yisrael nor b'shem Yisrael yuchona that he wanted to bring this geulah also, also to those Yidin which are only termed by the uh, Yidin nishkukin de gavzei matzah m'shmiras atarim mitzvah notwithstanding where they stand or their lowly level in their personal observance of Torah mitzvahs, Kemazon we could say as midaresafa gamezanim doch gleich nish gleich tzavaseinu that by adding the words even though we are not uh, cannot be compared to our forefathers had the Rebbe gemeint meramazayin what he wanted to allude was to the Pirush Hamedus he was referencing what the Medrash says, but what does the Medrash say? V'chein shleima amalef neikadosh baruch so also Shleiman Melech said before Hashem, Melech Shehu Seicher Payalim, a king which hires employees, Vehem Oisim Melachtem Yafa, and he, he they do their work well, Venoisim Lem Scharam, and he pays them for the work. Mashvach Yeshla Melech. Why is that a praise of the king? He hired them to do work. They did the work. Of course they deserve to be paid. What does that say about the king that he didn't not pay them? That doesn't uh, praise the king in any way. When could you praise the king? When it is a deserving of praise, when he hires employees which are not uh, not good employees, they don't do their work properly. 
and he still pays them that is a great good that is a way to praise the king and that's what he means when it says in the passage may Hashem be with us like he was with our forefathers meaning to say that's what the Medrash says so the Friedegger Rebbe referenced that Pasuk meaning to bring out what the Medrash says about it that Hashem should should also bring into the Geula, should also pay those workers, meaning those Yidin, which are not doing the work the way they, they should be. Even they should also be paid, they should also be rewarded with Geula. So in other words, all of these expressions that he used, about which he asked the questions, was because he was trying to include even the lowliest of the low into this Geula that the Friedrich Rebbe was trying to bring to all Yid. Yud Beis. Al Pizeh came in Mazbezah and Sebeis of this we can also explain. As in dem inyo fun yehiyah that in this matter of let Hashem be with us and in dot dry madregis there are three levels which are expressed here. V'yashleim Hashem al derech gimal madregis anal which are perhaps reflection, reflective in reflective of those three levels that, that we've been talking about all along. Number one is Havaya Vert Alekenu, that Havaya becomes Alekenu, as the Rebishter is Kechesenu Vachayesenu. The first level that we said, that Havaya becomes Alekenu. Vos, dos Vaisa, the Gansa Metzias von the Mensch is Ein Kaya Vachayes Vigilia is Alekus. In other words, saying that what is valuable about a person, only the fact that Hashem, that it's uh, a reflection of Hashem. That's what's really valuable. The fact that godliness is there. But the person himself has no value. Metzius, Gashmius, has no real value. In other words, as we said before, that only Atzilus is valuable. Only Elokus is valuable. But uh, uh, trying to get removed that uh, nothing, the, the, the Tachten is not valuable. Number two, a second level. Havaya Lekenu Imanu Hashem should be with us. Meaning to say the Mensch is viazach farzich the person is separate from avaya from avaya lekenu Hashem should be with us. Now the Eibushter is mit im, but the Eibushter is with us. In other words, the second yechude ilah that there, uh, that we recognize that Hashem is invested into the creation as well, uh, but as a separate thing. In other words, that because Hashem is also invested into Imanu, into us, into the Tachtan, therefore that proves that we're connected to Alakus. Then there is a third level. He should not abandon us. In order to be able to accomplish something with the Yidin which are in the level of Tachtainim, they have no uh, personal efforts, they haven't done and accomplished anything on their own. The only reason that they're Yidin is because that's, they are Yidin, but they have no other value as a Yid. On you can't detect any connection to Lukus in them of their own personal effort. As that they too should be brought into the union of Gula. But the Rebbe Meisiv given that's why the Rebbe added Kasher Hayim Avesenu. 
the way he was with our forefathers, Agamir, even though we are not similar to Avaseinu. But what he meant by that is to to allude to that which the Medjah said that even the workers which are not doing their job should also be rewarded. And by this he accomplished us. Even those workers which are not good workers. They should have at least a feeling that Hashem should not abandon them. In the matzah, in the matzah, that even when they are in the situation that they are, they are in their lowly situation. That even in their situation, as they are in their situation, the way the way they are, they should also recognize that they're not disconnected from Hashem as expressed in the fact that they also agreed, they had to force to agree that the Rebbe could continue doing what he's doing. <laughs> that expresses that even such people, who are lowly in their obvious manifest uh, personas, still are connected are connected to Olokos as in welche Madrege Aid gefinds sich nicht nur that any, whatever level Aid should find himself in is an emissary of Pneumistic Metzius what is his true Metzius Olokos is godliness of Olosham for him as the Rebbe said in the words of the Rebbe Kol Ish Yisroel any Jewish person may believe his chashim and matzavi aprote b'shmiras v'kim ha-mitzvahs Notwithstanding his personal <coughs> situation in his keeping of Torah mitzvahs, his heart is complete with, in other words, completely connected to Hashem and His Torah. That also had the effect on the lowliness of the world, meaning those who are lowly in the world. Even those people that were so lowly that they were, they were the ones that arrested the Rebbe. Even in their situation, as they were people that are arresting the Rebbe, they should still agree that the Fidig Rebbe can go on to be Mefitz Torah, bis zu helfen in until they also were involved in releasing him. Yud Gimel. Since these days are celebrated again and remembered, and Li too, we act on that remembering. Therefore, each and every one of us, the Hayrov and the Sinus Kayach from Gimel Thomas, has the lesson and therefore the power to be able to act on this. The lesson that Gimel Thomas gives us, not to be affected by those things which interfere or try to interfere with our spreading of Torah and Yiddishkeit. We also have the assurance because the word could mean may Hashem be with us but it could also mean he will be with us in the same is a prayer he should not abandon us but it also means he will not abandon us 
So we use also the second interpretation that it will be fulfilled as Hashem will be with us like He was with our forefathers. He will not abandon us. And all Jews will have light spiritually and materially.